You've read the first page of the bulletin this morning. You will have noticed the verse from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5 and verse 11. The Apostle Paul is instructing this way. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, the Hebrew writer says, but encourage one another day after day is as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It seems to me that one of the themes of God's word is the absolute necessity of we as individuals, as part of the body of Christ, we take a task of encouraging each other seriously. And of course, as we think about encouragement, we can, we can think about it in a variety of ways. There was a little story on Facebook this past week about some frogs. And the frogs were making the journey toward a pond. And um, two of the frogs fell in a hole. And um, the other frogs were up on top watching these guys struggling down in the hole. And they, they jumped and jumped, and they weren't making too much success at getting out of the hole. And so finally the frogs on top said, you guys might as well give up and die. And finally, one of them killed over and died. But the other one, he was a little more determined, and he kept jumping and jumping and jumping, and they kept hollering at him and telling him, you know, there's no need. You, you, you aren't going to make it. But finally, one last mighty jump, and he landed up on, the, on top. And they said to him, why did you keep on trying? And he said, well, he said, you know, um, we, were trying to, we were trying to convince you to give up. And he said, well, I'm hard of hearing, and I thought you were encouraging me. And so I guess there are a lot of different ways in which we could be encouraged. And of course, there are different kinds as well. We could be encouraged when we've done a job and someone tells us that we've done, we've done that job well. We could also be encouraged after we've done something and somebody says to us, you can do better. And maybe even they show us how. Our example is extremely important when it comes to encouraging one another. A week or so ago, I got an anonymous email. An email of some encouragement. Not signed, nothing. 
I think I know where it came from. But the one who sent that encouraging message, they know they sent it. And God knows they sent it. And so this morning I want us to think about encouragement, but I want us to think about it in what I might what I might describe as a as a more specific thing of encouragement. And so we come to the passage that Corey read for us from Hebrews chapter 10. And I'd like for us this morning to divide that particular passage into three sections. The setting, the goals, and the means to an end. But instead of instead of starting at the top and working our way to the bottom, we're going to start at the bottom and working our way to the top. And so Let's look at the setting. Paul says, or the writer to Hebrews, I think Paul, but you can uh, decide on your own. In verse 24, he says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer is suggesting the setting is our gathering together as a body of believers. And the significance of that in being an encouragement to each other. I suppose one of the themes of the New Testament that we could consider would be the importance of the functioning body of Christ. And so as we, as we think about that, I want to think about a passage from Paul's writings to the Ephesian Christians. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. He says, as a result, we no longer to be children tossed here and here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Christ. I suppose we could also come to the conclusion that there must have been a need for the passage that is written in Hebrews chapter 10, or it wouldn't have been written. There is a need today for us to appreciate the importance of being together as a body, that together we might be an encouragement to each other.
And so, the setting. The setting is the gathering together of those believers who come together to worship our God together so that we might together be encouraging to each other. And so if that setting is not important to you, I would like you to consider that when you, not, when you are not part of the encouraging, you are part of the discouraging. And then I want us to think about the goals. A common goal in Christianity brings us together. But it more than brings us together, it keeps us together. So what does, so what does Paul, uh, the writer to the Hebrews, what did he say in the reading? Beginning at verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Faith is an essential ingredient in our relationship with, to God and in our fellowship together. Without it, the Hebrew writer says in chapter 11 and verse 6, without it, it is impossible to please God. And of course, we're reminded of the definition in the first verse of that chapter. For faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. What we hope for involves the promises God has given to us in his word. And what we do not see involves the reality of God himself and his son Jesus who sits at the right hand of, of God making intercession for us and making it possible for us to enter into God's holy presence through worship and prayer. Every Christian has direct access to God. We do not need a priest. 
We don't even need a minister. We just need a mediator, and that's Jesus Christ. And we have him. A growing and deepening faith reflects that God is not merely an academic idea for us, but it is an absolute way of life. And so the Hebrew writer would say in 23, let us hold fast our confession of our hope without wavering. Hope, hope we might describe as a blood brother to faith. Hope focuses more on what Christians believe rather than, than whom we believe in. There are lots of individuals who will confess that they believe in God or that they believe in Christ. But it's a whole different ballgame when you think for them that do you believe God and do you believe Christ? Because that's a different thing. First Thessalonians. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 1. In verses 2 and 3, Paul says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father. Again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 16 and 17, Paul says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. So some of the words that we, we, we glean from what the Hebrew writer is writing is we, we get a glimpse of this idea of our love for one another and the mutual encouragement among members of the body of Christ should provide a, stimuli, a stimulus for love and good deeds. Love is not automatic. Thus the Hebrew writer states, consider how to stimulate. Consider how to stimulate that. First Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 14 and verse 1. 
Paul says, pursue love. Yet, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. You may have something worthwhile to say. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, Peter says, keep fervent in love for one another. And so we, we see from the passage that the Hebrew writer sets out where we need to glean this encouragement from. And he reminds us, he reminds us of the goals in doing that. But he also provides for us the means in which it will happen. And so go back to verse 19. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, a new and living way, We had the old and we had the new. Christ being the new. He became the perfect sacrifice for sin. And when he died on the cross, there were a lot of things that took place that day. There was an earthquake. Read about that in scripture. But in the place of worship that the Jews considered sacred, the temple, a curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place, and that most holy place was only where the priest could go, and he only went there once a year, and there was a huge curtain that separated those two. When Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. And so what it signified is that God in his wisdom and plan for us and the sacrifice of his son was going to make a way possible where we could have access, direct access, to Almighty God. First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2. In verse, well, I'm going, to be, I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our, our Savior, 
who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. appreciated Duane's reading from the Old Testament this morning and his explanation of some of the things and some of the evidences surrounding that. The scripture provides us with many, many different things to help us to understand and to appreciate the value, the value of being in the body of Christ. We remembered around the table this morning the sacrifice of Jesus. Closing this morning, I want, to, want you to think with me a little bit about the sacrifice and what the Hebrew writer is saying when he says, since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance. The cross replaced the brass altar. Christ's ability to cleanse us from our sins replaced the labor. As the light of the world and the bread of life, Christ replaces the golden candlestick and the table of showbread. As our constant intercessor he replaces the altar of incense. The sacrifice of himself was once for all. Once he offered himself, he then sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. And without the message of the scriptures, we would have nothing with which to encourage one another. We would have no purpose for meeting together. Our knowledge of God would be so limited, we'd have no rational object for our faith, no doctrine on which to build our hope, and no way of even knowing the meaning of genuine love. So when you and I contemplate the purpose of Almighty God, we must not doubt it in any way. 
because what he has done for us is so phenomenal that there are some of the things that he has done for us that we are not, we are not going to even get to know or realize until we get to heaven. John wrote in his first letter in chapter 3 and verse 16. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. May we take seriously the encouragement of the scriptures and the encouragement we get from being together. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great praise over the house of God, let us draw near with full, sincere hearts in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. May God bless us with a greater appreciation of his will for us.